Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode is Wendy James. I got to sit down and chat with Wendy James and... As I expected, it was going to be a fascinating chat. I mean, I'm not going to tell you too much about it, but, you know, it involves buying socks with George Harrison. Let me just give you that much of a, of a heads up as to what to expect. Um, it involves clash gigs. It, it, so much amazing stuff in this this episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, before I um, get on with the episode, I just want to say thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, thanks and much love to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. And, and also, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, um, when you're done with this episode, why not go and have a, a rummage in the archives? Because you'll find over 150 episodes with some amazing musicians, producers, comedians, actors... DJs, go, go and have a look because there's, um, there's loads of great chats to be listened to. Um, and if you really like it and you want to support it, then I also have a Patreon page where I put a standalone episode up each week over there as well as kind of mixtapes and all sorts of stuff. Um, that's patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track. Um, I mean, you can find out everything off the beaten track podcast.com. Okay, let's get back to today's episode. Please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with the wonderful Wendy James. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year, and they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music, and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out. Because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast 
on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Right, we're recording. Joining me today um, over Zoom is Wendy James. Hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, we've established before I press record that I'm, I'm sitting in Essex. Where, whereabouts are you? I'm down in the south of France, which is where I luckily managed to get to as America was closing down its airports, um, as you know, as coronavirus, because typically I live in New York, uh, but I think it's turned out quite um, uh, quite a good decision to not go through the, the virus lockdown in New York, but rather in the countryside of the south of France. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that's a, a lovely place to be. I mean, uh, uh, New, York, New, New York appears to be uh, recovering, but... Um, I still think it's been safer here up in some mountain fresh air. Yeah, I'm sure. That sounds lovely. Uh, we've just literally just seen the, the, the Prime Minister talk a load of garbled nonsense uh, this afternoon in the UK. And uh, it would appear that the, that the lockdown is, is, is loosening quite, quite greatly now. So hopefully there'll be some kind of safe normality resuming very soon. Um, Are you noticing people using masks and so on? Yeah, do you know what? I went to the dentist this afternoon, which was very, very strange. And, uh, and yeah, literally having to wear a mask until right at the last minute and then having a woman who literally, the dentist was dressed like a deep-sea diver, kind of rummaging around in my mouth, was quite strange. Uh, um, but, but, yeah, it's, everybody seems to be sort of behaving, really. Like, um, it's, it's, it's been okay so far. And, and I think everybody's just... I think having the sunshine's really helped, uh, Wendy. I think that's been a big thing, just having, you know, the sunshine. And I think if it was just chucking it down with rain throughout that last few months, I think it would have yeah, been a far different true. story. Yeah, I mean, I think we're lucky, as much as you can call it luck, that this, this whole pandemic happened in the summer months, at least for the Western Hemisphere, Completely. Um, completely. Yeah, getting locked down in miserable snow, cold, rain mm. would be a bit grim. So, so how have you found it as a as a creative, Wendy? Is it? I mean, it, it, it strikes me that this has happened sort of slap bang in the middle of like the, the promotion for the new record. Am I right? Well, it's actually it's actually been conversely really good for me because uh, obviously there was a large pre order campaign for Queen High Street. Mm-hmm. And so when people start, some of the deliveries were a little bit late because of the delayed postal service. But as people started receiving their albums, instead of having to rush off to work and maybe listen to it in bits and pieces, a lot of, I've actually observed that a lot of people had time on their hands to actually sit down and sure. listen to it. And also their focus perhaps isn't as scattered as it is when we're all running around the city or our jobs or whatever that they, they, they could actually engage and, you know, take part on the different social media sites that I have and and offer up their opinion. Enough, so much so that, uh, you know, because there are 20 tracks on this album, so and everyone, of course, comes back with their different favourites. Mm. And I just decided, well, let's actually... Because there are so many songs on this album, I want to release multiple singles from it. Streaming first, radio, and then there'll be a seven-inch um, box set later on in the year. Oh, nice. And um, uh, so I decided for the, for the next single, which is currently now going up to radio, I would, uh, I would set up a poll on my website for my fans to choose what they think. You know, maybe they've got the golden touch. What they think are the two, you know, surefire <laughs> choices to be a double A-side. And so they chose Kill Some Time Blues and Marlene and Fleur, which uh, and and the art the artwork's all done and everything, and it's going up to radio now because there are just so many. I have a personal favourite, and that's actually going to be the next single, right? Um, but uh, this one is the the people's choice. That's a great idea, though. Putting it, I mean, and it's a really good way to engage with your your fan base as well, isn't it? Giving them the kind of influence to to sort of put forward the choices what they think should be you know are the standout singles i think that's a great idea i i think so and also it's a good way to because there are 20 songs you actually have to listen to all of them in order to make your decision which yeah. ones you like the most and you have to hear it a few times but that hasn't been that hasn't been a problem with this album because i think it takes an hour and 20 minutes to get through and i think you know it's such a it really is a glorious mix of music 
that I, I think people have just been enjoying the experience, which is kind of different to snatches of pop song that come and go really quickly in the digital streaming age. This it's, is this is the absolute opposite. This is this is. I mean, this is something that I, I'm going to touch on when I ask for the first track um, from 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 uh, your playlist today. Um, this is something that I always ask uh, musicians as well. So, well, let, let's let's start the playlist, Wendy. So, for track one, I'm going to ask you what you regard is the song with the greatest ever intro. And I'm already. I've thought about this, and actually, it strikes me I should just say my songs for everything. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd be, and I wouldn't be lying either. Uh, um, but uh, I wanted to flip your script slightly because okay. the, first, the first thought I had when I read the question was, I, I mean, you, okay, you go to Led Zeppelin and um, when the levee breaks and that mm-hmm. drum, but um, I want to volunteer my favourite outro. And um, if I may, and that is D- Derek and the Dominoes, Layla, outro, which is the famous music used in Goodfellas when yeah. he's trying to escape the, the helicopter flying overhead. Yeah. And it's a- and I actually influenced one of the songs on this album, uh, track 11. Um, uh, so may I, may I offer you my favourite outro instead? I'm loving it. I'm loving that. You're going to go for an outro. And I'll tell you what, I mean... The- the intro. It's, actually, it's actually called uh, Derek and the Dominoes Piano Outro or Piano Exit. Yeah. And we all, we've all seen Goodfellas. It's when Ray, Ray Liotta's getting really paranoid because the cops are closing in on him to bust him, right? It's an incredible scene as well. He's a neurotic, sweaty mess at that point, isn't he? And it's like... <laughs> Looking up at the helicopter through yeah. his windshield <laughs> and, and with just um, Derek and the Dominoes blasting over... And he, and Martin Scorsese is such a good director anyway with uh, editing music to movies. Yeah. Uh, always uses the Rolling Stones. Um, but uh, Yeah, Gimme uh, Shelter's uh, in that as well, isn't it? He uses Gimme Shelter in Goodfellas, I think. I think you could probably put money on Gimme Shelter being in every Scorsese movie. <laughs> Maybe not Age of Innocence. <laughs> but, um, but all of his mobster and gangster and criminal records. Yeah. Uh, I th- and also um, even King of Comedy. Yeah. It'll be interesting to Wikipedia how many times he's used Gimme Shelter, actually. Yeah. I think he even talks about it, that he it's his go-to song. But anyway, um, he uses Derek and the Dominoes for that exit, and he keeps it going for the whole length, cutting the footage in and out, and it's just so great. And, um, and then when I was looking at it again on YouTube, I saw that Guns N' Roses covered it as well. Oh, um, really? Um, I knew that they did Live and Let Die, but... Uh, they also had a had a go at um, Layla piano exit. Anyway, all of your listeners will know, and if they don't know, then they certainly should go and find Derek and the Dominoes. Well, there be there's a, there's a Spotify playlist does accompany every episode, so people can go and have a listen as well. Ah, oh, right. Oh, oh, perfect. Of course, yes, yes. Um, I mean, what's brilliant is you, you've gone for an outro, which is which is you're the first to do that. Um, but you've actually gone from an uh, you've actually picked an outro from a song that's arguably got one of the greatest intros as well. That's true, isn't it? <laughs> yes, few people have chosen Layla as as as, um, as their choice for this track. But the the thing I was going to say, Wendy, was um, when you were talking about how how people listen to to music now, and, and it, you know, and it is so fast tracked, and you know, with streaming services, it is constantly you know being nudged to you might like this you might like this was that a, a conscious decision that you made when you put the new album out to release it as a you know as a body of work to like right listen you, this has got to be listened to as a whole rather than like, i don't want you going on itunes and cherry picking a couple of records this is this is a piece of you know a piece of art that i want to be listened to in yeah, its entirety I mean, I mean of course people can people can just listen to 30 second clips if they wish hmm. but for the music lover um, rather than just the music consumer. Yeah. Um, it was written from an artistic point of view that, yes, I set out without doubt to write 20 songs because in my mind I had a very simple plan, which was uh, based on how much, how much music you can get onto one side of vinyl. It's about 20 to 22 minutes yeah. before the audio starts uh, breaking up. Uh, and so... I just thought, well, I'll put five tracks. I wanted to have a double vinyl because Exile on Main Street is yeah. my king of du- king of double vinyls. 
And I just wanted that in my repertoire, you know, when I look back at all the stuff I've achieved, I want a double vinyl in there as well. Gatefold, presentation. And I just figured, well, it's really simple, nice um, geometric math, put five tracks aside and you've got 20, 20 tracks. So then I sat down and I, I started writing 20 songs. And when I'd written the 20th one, I stopped. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I want to go back, um, Wendy, and for track two, I want to ask you what the first song was you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Okay, well, I've got a good story for you with this. Okay. Um, my choice is George Harrison's Something. Oh, lovely. And uh, the very the first time I heard this song was because uh, there was a local boy. <laughs> I can't even remember his name. Um, but he was smitten with me, and he bought me the seven-inch single of George Harris. I think maybe it's what the first time someone of the opposite gender uh, found me attractive, to my knowledge. Okay. And, um, and uh, so he bought me the seven-inch single of George Harrison something, and he said, this, this will explain to you how I feel about you. <laughs> <laughs> how old was you then? I don't know, 15, 14. Okay. Isn't that sweet? So what was that emotion but, then? <laughs> uh, like really, well, the pretty chuffed that someone found me attractive. Yeah. But um, that, was, <laughs> that, that, was, that was usurped by um, just the thought process that had gone into his, uh, his gesture. You know, he didn't just yeah. say, I, I fancy you. Yeah. Um, he had gone to the record store and picked out a record that represented lyrics that he thought he wanted to, you know, communicate to me. And of course, it is a stunningly beautiful song, mm. and uh, and that touched me forever. And then I have to tell you, this is my funny name-checking anecdote uh, attachment to this story. Years, 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 years later, I was in London, and I had a boyfriend. <laughs> And I was buying him socks, right, in Harvey Nichols. And I, was, I thought I'd buy him a nice pair of socks in Harvey Nichols. <laughs> really romantic. Um, and I felt, and it was, I, you know a little bit of history about Transvision Vamp. Sometimes the press were a little bit mean to me. Yeah. And, um, and so uh, I was buying my boyfriend a pair of socks and I felt a tap on my shoulder and I swung around and it was George Harrison. Wow. I, and he said to me, I just wanted to tell you there's something really special about you and never give up. Fucking hell. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, thank you. And just realized I was in the middle of buying socks. But, um, uh, and then that just, I've got, and there's so many things about George Harrison that I absolutely love, including his big benefit gigs for yeah. um, the Dalai Lama, wasn't it? Yep. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, always the coolest Beatle. By, by a mile, the coolest Beatle. And, and I mean, to get tapped on the shoulder by a Beatle and then get told that by a Beatle, I mean, that ticks a few boxes, Wendy. It does. And uh, at a time <laughs> when, and obviously, he was relating, as musicians do. Sure. Uh, to, you know, because even the Beatles, if you went back and probably looked at some of the scrutiny and ridiculousness written about them in the tabloids and so on um any musician who's achieved a certain level of notoriety or fame has been attacked by the british press at some point or other yeah and so regardless of uh you know even if you don't like their music you sympathize with what it feels like to be under the gun completely um, but uh it turns out that uh george harrison thought i was quite good as well so that's, and then, you know, it all, and then that flooded back memories, long forgotten, of that first little seven-inch single um, from my admi young admirer. That's superb. I, I think you've answered that better than anyone, that question, Wendy. I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so well, let, let's, let's go back to them. Let's stay in them sort of formative years. And I want to know for track three, um, what song reminds you of your time at school? Hands down, no question, the, the, the soundtrack to Greece. Wonderful. Uh, I mean, 
I I started off like Sandy and I stand Sandy the good girls and I yeah. really wanted to be bad bad Olivia you know there's yeah. good Olivia and there's bad Olivia <laughs> what she's got on her spandex pants and her shades and her leather jacket and her you know high heels and she's putting her cigarette out on the ground and Knicky's falling on his floor on on his knees and John Travolta's mind is blown because it that used to be good Sandy and now it's bad Sandy. <laughs> And um, so I, I, for me and all of my girlfriends, we were just, we would sing Hopelessly Devoted along with Good Sandy and then um, You're the One That I Want with Bad Sandy. Yeah. And But also all of the songs, uh, God, I can't remember, you know, just so yes, my answer is the soundtrack to Greece. It's... And also the look. I just think it's a, God, they got it right. You know, as far as musicals go, they got it really right. It's it's perfect. It's so perfect. And the actual song, uh, Grease, by Frankie Valli, has got oh. one, of, one of the greatest intros ever as well. Just that... It's just brilliant. It's just a massive call of arms. And what a way to start a film. Yeah, and Frankie Valli is just oh. genius anyway. Just yep. genius. And uh, uh, on my last album, one previous to this, Lenny Kay, the guitarist from the Patti Smith group, Played guitar on it, but um, wow. he's also an author. He was a journalist for Cream magazine in the US and also quite often in the, in Rolling Stone magazine. And and he's written books. And one of the books he uh, obsesses over is um he, he wrote about crooners in the 50s. Yeah. And um, his super top favourite is Frankie Valli. And so any given weekend during that period of time, if you'd say to Lenny, do you want to come out for a beer or something... He would be out in the sticks of New Jersey or, I don't know, Idaho, just following Frankie Valli around. <laughs> Wonderful. And Frankie Valli was still out there gigging, you know, and, um, yeah, I mean. I think, I think Frankie Valli played the Albert Hall in January this year. Yeah. Uh, he's still just, I mean, he's, he's got to be, I don't know what, what age he is now. He's got to be kind of mid-70s now, but he was still knocking it out of the park. His voice was just absolutely incredible. Insane. And uh, on, on some of the songs on this new album, you know, they're highly Motown-inspired uh, or that kind of 60s pop beat. Yeah. And um, Begging by Frankie Valli oh. is you know, super top, super top favourite. If I hear that anywhere, I have to start dancing. Yeah, it's so infectious, absolutely. And the thing is, it's it's not just the, 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 the songs that he sung. It's like the songs that, you know, he, like, that other people made huge successes off the back of, you know, like things I never, like it took me years to realise that he wrote things like Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore and things like that. You just think... I always just thought that was the Walker Brothers, and it's like, no, no, Frankie Valli yeah. wrote that. It's like, oh, yeah. my God. He, he's a bit of a king, yeah. Yeah, just a bit. So so whereabouts was, where was school, Wendy? Oh, but so if, if you're going to play the soundtrack, which grease cuts are you going to choose? The uh, well, you can choose. I mean, I, I, I do like a little bit of hope to see devoted to you. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, uh, entirely up to you, and it'll be a surprise for me. All right, Okay. That's in, that's in my capables, right? Um, so, so how was school, and where was school? Uh, school was down on the south coast of England, and how was it? It was. I was a good girl. I was like good Sandy. I was a good, <laughs> I was a good girl. I studied. I, you know, I was fairly capable in my classes. I learned lots of instruments. I learned clarinet and piano, and my. I briefly got put through um, flute and violin as well. Um, singing in the choir, I sang. I also my first my first public performance was actually there was a nearby there's a famous opera house near to where the school was yeah. called Glyndebourne, and uh, my school had the one of the few opportunities to send up its best singers to audition to be in the chorus in the child child singers for whichever operas um, they were playing in that season. Yeah. And uh, I actually won the child won. I, I beat out all the competitors to uh, uh, do just the one the one sentence solo in Act Two of La Boheme by Puccini, and uh, and we, uh, so, and um, David Hockney did the set designs, and I think it was Sir Peter Hall was the director. And it, you know, it's a it's a it's a privately owned opera house and serves yeah. for England as the kind of a. Uh, summer season of the Royal Opera House. 
And um, I was paid three pounds a night and a Mars bar every night. And, so at, the end, and at, the end, so at the end of that season, I'd saved up enough money to buy my first pair of Levi's and get my ears pierced. Oh, so Bad and Sandy it, was on the horizon then. Bad Sandy was on her way. And, and then short, shortly after that, I went to it. There was a pivotal moment in my life. And that is someone said, do you want to come and see The Clash play at Brighton Centre? And I must have been 14 years old, maybe coming on 15. And, um, oh, maybe I went with the guy who <laughs> gave me the record. I didn't think so, though. I'd remember that. Um, but anyway, so I, I did go in underage to see The Clash play, and it was when they were on doing Combat Rock. Wow. And just seeing Joe with his mohawk and just the power and dynamism of... I guess they were really riding a wave right then. They were just, they were such a well-oiled machine at that point. Um, uh, And uh, so I saw the Clash play and that was really when Bad Sandy uh, was awoken. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not call her Sandy, Bad Wendy was awoken. (laughs) Um, And I, and uh, and, I mean, there's so, there's so many tributaries of stories that come off that because in Mick, Mick ended up being my boyfriend for a very long time. Mm But of course, that that evening in the Brighton Centre, uh, no one had any idea that our paths were going to cross like that. Um, but what did what I do? What was memorable about that evening uh, is that I managed to squeeze my way right to the front on onto the crash barrier, and thinking, you know, I can handle this. But a, a clash audience was fairly uh, rambunctious. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the crash barrier, and I actually started did get did getting my lungs caved in from everyone pushing up against me, and um, this um, massive black guy called Ray Jordan, who was their um, famous roadie, um, he came and hoiked me over the top and took me off to the side of the stage, and then years later, it's insane, but well, no, it's actually only two years later, but um, I'd met Mick and Joe and everyone, and I was in London and. I, I, Ray Jordan was there one evening and he went, are you the girl I pulled over the crash barrier? No Brighton way. Went, yeah, Ray, that was me. <laughs> That's incredible. So, and uh, there's even more. It's just crazy that night because um, Mick walked out on stage that night and unbeknownst to him, I was in the audience and I'd represent many years of his life, unbeknownst to him, but also ahead of me in the... In the um, uh, uh, in head of the order of how what happened in Mick's life was his first wife was also there that night and that's the first night she met him. Wow. But she met him that night and they got together because she was that little bit much older than me and represents, you know, a, a whole swath of time in Mick's life. And then the next one was in the audience as well, which was <laughs> me. So poor Mick, when he walked out on stage, he had no idea that the next 20 years of his life were in the audience. Right there in front of him. Brilliant. So, oh, yeah, sorry. So at that age, Wendy, did, 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 did you want to be a, a performer? Did you want to be a singer? I, de- I was definitely showing music as my, um, my avenue, but up yeah. until seeing The Clash and understanding punk music and getting Nevermind the Bollocks and seeing Debbie Harry... Up until that point, which is punk, right, or new yeah. wave, I suppose I was just getting channeled into piano playing and, you know, yeah, just being a good singer, but I don't know where, how that would have found its outlet. Um, but as soon as I... But I was nudging myself, and you know, of course, you know, I was, I was beckoned into rock and roll for a reason, and that was my... That was my... That was my... That's where I was meant to be, wasn't it? That was your calling, definitely. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks anyway i'll shut up get back to the podcast when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. See on the other side. Um, okay, so for track four, I'm going to ask you what the first record boys you remember buying from a record store. Well, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you still hear me? You just yeah, froze yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Blondie, Parallel Lines. Oh, that'd do it. Um, and and uh, I never had male pinups. Oh, it says my internet. Are you still there? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> hello hello okay good yeah blondie um i never had male pinups per se but uh when i saw debbie harry just like the rest of the world i don't, don't think i'd ever seen anything anything so beautiful in my life and then this, the sound of blondie's pop songs which oh. are more based on the 50s tunes that they grew up with but yeah. with a punk twist you know just perfect pop songs and then with, I mean, she all she was divine, wasn't she? In her little shorts and pretty much like Bad Sandy, actually. That same look as Olivia. <laughs> Maybe they were influenced by Blondie when they uh, styled Olivia. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. And, and, and the thing was, it, it was like, there was, you know, there was lots of pop stars that were, that were really pretty then that, that, that I'm sure everybody sort of absolutely adored. But none of them were cool. Debbie Harry was fucking cool. Wasn't she? There's, there are various clips. If you, that's the great thing about YouTube. There was a, a new, a cable, you know, at that time, America was the only country in the world that had so many free cable, uh, uh, free per view, whatever, pay per view, I don't know. Yeah. Access, access to cable channels in New York City anyway. And, and there was uh, this real scruffy program called. TV party, and there's um, clip and Debbie Harry and Chris Stein, and of course all the new Patty Smith and all that lot, all the CBGB lot. Yeah, they're you know they're all going on this show, which was just um, you know real low rent rock and roll show, but brilliant. In fact, Mick did it. Um, but uh, there's a there's a whole clip where Debbie's on there showing people how to pogo. <laughs> really, it's great, and she says, well, you know. We're all called, well, I won't do an American accent, we're all called punks. And she said, and this is the dance, and they hand her a pogo stick, and she shows you, you know, the good old American <laughs> actual pogo toy from whence the name of the dance comes. Amazing. So did you, did, did you ever get to meet Debbie Harry? Uh, yes, yes. Not, I, we can, I cannot claim to be friends with her, although I might be next year, but I can't re- re- reveal why that might be. Okay, okay. Um, but uh, but I have been in the same room as her and said hello to her. Yes, wonderful. And I have many mutual. Um, two of my best friends in life are Chris and Tina from the Talking Heads, and they oh. and 
one of and their one of their greatest friends is Debbie. So you know that she's only one connection away from me. Perfect, perfect. Um, okay, so as as we move we move forward, I'm, I'm going to get into clubbing and for track five, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Okay, well I've got to, a two part answer to that. Okay, because I mean if we're actually talking about my youth, then uh, clubbing would be like a. Uh, converging exactly with the two-tone revolution. Oh, right, okay. You know, the selector specials, Beat, and yep. Jamaican Scar. And also, uh, uh, growing up to some extent in Labrick Grove, also, of course, you know, just West Indian reggae and the sound systems of Labrick Grove. But if I was if I'm going to clubbing in terms of a, as a schoolgirl, then it would be dancing to the beat or dancing to the specials, Ghost Town. But as I'm slight as, but then getting slightly older, and really clubbing, then I would say Underworld's Born Slippy and Prodigy's Firestarter and Smack My Bitch Up and yeah, when, yeah, you know, proper, proper, really good rave music. That it, it's been chosen a few times, Born Slippy, and and it, it's no surprise because just again the intro to that, just them sort of delayed yeah. like sort of. I don't know if they're strings or what they are, them sort of synthy sort of delayed sounds. It's just before the beat even starts, to ha- everybody's yeah. hands go up. It's it's just yeah. a beautiful, beautiful start to a record. Genius, but I also think that about um the intros to Firestarter and Smack mm. My Bitch Up as well. Um, you know, Prodigy really delivered some killer songs. They're, they're still... Um, Wendy, without a shadow, they're like the greatest live band I've ever seen. Um, they, really? they, yeah, they, I mean, they're, 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 you know, them and Depeche Mode are, are Essex's hometown heroes, and right. and and the Prodigy come back to to Chelmsford and played the the V Festival, and I think in ninety ninety eight, I think or ninety seven, when um, that album Fat of the Land had just exploded everywhere, and and to see them come back to Essex, and I, I'd never seen electronic music. So exciting and so hard and, and so fucking rock and roll as well. It was like it was. It, it's really sexually aggressive. Yeah, it's so aggressive, and you just want to lose yourself. Completely, completely, and and God knows how many thousands of people in that field did. And it was, it was, yeah, it was just the, the most intense. And, and I, I've seen, you know, from seeing Sonic Youth to, to the, the heaviest of guitar bands, Prodigy were heavier, and you know, it was just crazy it was like electronic music had just gone to a completely new level and it was yeah it was it was and 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 uh, you know with every every kind of punk ethic that the clash had that the specials had that 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 mindset and 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 that manifests in you know in lots of that kind of diy electronic music that you know that that that, you know that the racing And 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 the fact that someone along the line had discovered sub bass yeah, and that, you know that, and I must say, in a different scheme of uh, genre of music, but still the same ethos. Well, I went to Jay Z's um, New York gig for the Black album. Yeah, and that you know, and also Beyonce guested with Crazy in Love on that show, and that was at Madison Square Gardens. How was that? And Jay Z, ah, oh, brought it with as much punk attitude as you know. So that, that's when you realise that punk is more than just, you know, a couple of blokes with spiky hair. It's, <laughs> it's an that, attitude, isn't it? It's an attitude, yeah. Mm, totally. Okay, track six, Wendy. A favourite mm. song from an artist from your home county? Oh, county. I thought you said country. <laughs> you won't be the first, Wendy, don't worry. You can have country. Oh, county. Oh, uh, that's me. That's me. I'm better than anyone from there. <laughs> Um, I was going to say uh, Let It Lose, any any track from uh, Exile on Main Street. I really read it as country. That's fine. So you're going to go with the Stones? No, no doubt, absolutely. I want that to be part of... I've put down Let It Loose or Happy, mm. uh, but I also love Ventilator Blues. I love all of it, but uh, I would do Let It Loose. Nice, nice. Exile on Main Street. So at what age did you move um, from the South Coast up to London then? I was in London by 16, and I'd been going up and down a little bit. But, you know, my, I sped up quite quickly once I'd turned into Bad Wendy. 
So at 16... I, I, was, I was going out clubbing in London down on the King's Road. To, there was a club called Crazy Larry's where, you know, young, young pretty girls would go and get a little bit off their heads. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I was doing that. And there are various other clubs and I was running around Portobello Road and, you know, because all of this fits in before Transvision Vamp's even a thing. Yeah. So... so- um, so what music was happening then when you were 16 around London then? What year would that have been? Like, and what was, what was going on sort of musically? Hmm. Well, I guess being in, in Labrick Grove, still the, the overpowering influence of The Clash was still there. Sure. I can't actually remember back. I mean, we're talking about the early 80s, yeah. uh, mid-80s, early and mid-80s. So I don't... I wasn't really paying attention to music, maybe hip-hop, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Hip-hop would have been exploding then, wouldn't it? Um, but Nick, Nick Sayer and myself from Transvision Vamp, we were training ourselves or focusing ourselves on music that had come before, which was the Velvet Underground and Mark Bolan and the Stooges and yeah. um, even girl groups, yeah, like the Ronettes and so on. So I can't remember particularly paying attention to music of the time because we were then by then speeding up into creating our own music and our own music was based more on Blondie and Bolan and this kind of stuff. But in terms of what was going on in the background, then I think, yeah, you'd have a, an East coast revival of hip, of hip hop, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, j- just to sort of touch on that, that, that period of the, the, the... And, and sorry, post, post again, I, cause I always gravitate to New York for my sounds, kind of that new wave choppy, post-punk sound that bands had in New York after punk. Yeah. And it would have been the kind of early early days of, like, The Cure and things like that as well, I would have thought. Uh, that kind yeah, of, I remember that Killing post-punk. an Arab. Do you remember Killing an Arab? Oh, what a record that is. <clears throat> Sorry, I just drank something. Yeah, really great. And so, as you said, you were sort of forming, you know, your your, your own band. Like in in the kind of mid eighties, it was it was a very very kind of saturated pop environment. How how did you kind of was it was it tough to kind of and did you feel the the, the pressure on you as as the front person of the band to kind of step out of you know a. a, a I guess a market that was saturated in pop to come through with with, with guitars and, and and a guitar band fronted by a woman, which was you know was back then was 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 quite rare. Rare, but I mean there were we did have I did have predecessors, of course, from of course, Tenders and Blondie, and then right back through to Janis Joplin and mm. you know Grace Slick. There have always been really, in fact, more amazing women in the past. Yeah. Um. Uh. But it so it wasn't. That that was the music we were into, so there was yeah. no question like uh, of contriving this. On the other hand, I think that is what enabled us to cut through yeah. because we straddled pop sensibility, just as Blondie had done, in fact. Yeah, pop sensibility, uh, but with um, you know, rock and roll underpinnings and pu- and punk persuasions. Yeah. So uh, we were in that. I mean, I given context, what was around? Tears for fears, everybody wants to... Yeah. Is it run the world or rule the world? Bit of both, I think. Uh-uh. Um, and just real heavily saturated super pop and 80s and Wall Street and, yeah. you know, money, money, money. And and uh, was when was ABBA? Was that the 80s or is that the 70s? ABBA kind of wound up in about 82, I think. All right. And then Wham, would that have been mid-80s? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it was present in my life, but it was not a focus. And so with, with that kind of punk attitude, you know, and, and the, the, you know, the, the predecessors that you'd, you'd mentioned there, um, how did you find what, what for, for me as a fan of music, seemed like literally overnight success and you was on the front page of, you know, from Smash Hits to the NME to, to Sounds and whatever. Like, how, how did you deal with that that kind of... That you know, it probably wasn't instant, and as you said, you've been putting that you know putting that together for a long time. But in, in regards to sort of you know commercial success, it seemed like it was like wow, this well, it, this man. How, did, was, how, how yeah. did you deal with that? It was relatively uh, quick compared to most bands that do yeah. just, just do a 
of at least two or three tours of the UK in their tra- transit van, mm. kind of uh, growing an audience. Yeah, and we and we did cut through in as much that we, by the time we got off our first UK tour and ended up playing the Marquee in London, I Want Your Love was at number five, and yeah. the queues around Wardour Street were massive to get into an oversold out gig. Um, so that trajectory is quite rapid compared to other bands. Yeah. But then, of course, just because you've sold out... So at that point, we know we're on a... The big difference that probably it's hard, it's hard to even fathom now is Top of the Pops and yeah. getting playlisted on Radio 1 because this is all before internet, right? It's yeah. all before cable. So, um, and Top of the Pops was a meeting place for all generations to sit down 7 o'clock on a Thursday and see who's top of the pops. Yeah. And uh, pretty much at that time, if you broke into the Radio 1 playlist, which meant you were on regular rotation on the mm. big shows on Radio 1, or top of the pops, and obviously then both, then you were pretty much, unless your song was a real stinker, yeah. you are pretty much guaranteed to start going up in the charts because it was just such a massive audience. So- and, and overnight exposure, like to go from... That, you know, we're creeping up at number 58 in the charts, then number 40, then top 30, and then it starts accelerating and accelerating. But of course, but that's not really, I never was into the idea of fame to make me feel loved. Like yeah. I didn't need, I, ha- I didn't need to be famous to, to justify my existence. And so when front covers and all of this stuff started coming at me, I viewed them more as, um, interesting achievements but they didn't make they didn't they didn't go to my head or anything because taking nothing away from the other members of of, of the band you know there was so much attention on you and and i just want to talk about top of the pops as well there for a minute because you you touched on something that that a few people that have been on this 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 podcast have have, have touched on which is you know how it was such a you know a, a a thing in this country that you sat down and you watched top of the pops because you didn't have music television that was all you had so that would literally be you know that moment where you'd get your half hour top of the pops that's where you would get to see what your pop stars yeah. looked like and so when I you there because there grew then the antidote to top of the pops which was the tube the right? tube obviously yeah and um, paul, wasn't paul yates fabulous oh just beyond cool beyond yeah. cool um but what i want to know is wendy he's like when you actually got on top of the pops, was it what you expected it to be? And was you aware on your first performance that right, there's a big audience here. I'm, I'm yes. because for me, I watched that and you own that. Yes. And like, and and was that something that you just thought, well, where's this band going? I don't know. I've got to give it 110 percent because yeah. I'm on top of the pops. Like, yes. what, what what's I, your perception of that? But I mean, I still have that same attitude. If we're on a bill. With other bands, yeah, I'm a tiny bit competitive. I like <laughs> to go out and win, you know. Sure. And so um, I, I know that, and I've said this to people that um, are acting as pluggers for me, uh, if you get me on to Saturday Night Live or if you get me on to Jules Holland yeah, and I'm, give, I'm given four minutes yeah. to win you over and prove it, I can step up to that plate. I'm yeah. not afraid to do it. And um, so, uh, yes, you can, I mean, I enjoyed the performance anyway, so I'm in my element on top of the pops, but I also know, okay, find your cameras and fucking own it. Brilliant. Um, and, and, and so did, well, just to go back to the, the, the initial question was when, when that, that kind of, you know, celebrity, for want of a better d- description, that celebrity was thrust upon you. Did, did you cope with it okay? Yeah, I did, because, again, like I said, touched on it, that stuff didn't really... It's not like I started travelling around with an entourage. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't... Although you get famous, you don't automatically get rich. Yeah. So no, we were, I wasn't swanning around in Rolls Royces. I was living on Portobello Road and still catching the tube. It's weird, isn't it? Because that perception is that, oh, they're on... Uh, you know, that, oh, she's on top of the pops. She must be a multimillionaire now. Okay, it doesn't happen that quickly. Yeah. And, of course, everyone takes their bite of the money train before um, your artist receives any. But, uh, and so my actual life, which I have explained to other people, there was a pub on Portobello Road called the Warwick Castle, which was pretty much the epicenter of where everyone was, where Joe and Paul from The Clash went, where all the local 
from, you know, from hoi polloi to scumbags, everyone congregated in, not scumbags, but uh, uh, renegades, whatever, whatever. Just yeah. regular people, working people, and a few, drop, you know, smart dropouts. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. Con- which Labrick Grove is famous for, um, <clears throat> they all congregated at Warwick Castle. And uh, so my life and my circle of friends actually didn't change. Uh, think life changes as you move into it and they're like you know they people grow older they have kids they yeah you know split off into couples and all of this stuff but in those early days we were all still footloose and fancy free and just drinking in the pub and there's so many or not so many but quite a lot of famous or successful people around west london that it's not like a novel sighting yeah see someone oh there's mick jagger or because it happens around there. Yeah. And um that in itself will keep you grounded to a degree then, won't it? Uh, and um and you just start, you just realize that there has to be a place on the planet where these people can actually live and go shopping and meet sure. their friends without the hullabaloo of the fame machine. Yeah. And so that little one square mile of lab West London it was actually very uh uh very grounding. Yeah. Okay, so for your last song, Wendy, you get to play DJ, and and I'm going to ask you for a song that many may not know that you would like yeah. them to hear. Okay, well, I'm volunteering a band up to you that many people should know called Sonic's Rendezvous Band. Have you heard of them? I haven't, Wendy. Well, it's you, but you've heard of MC5, right? Of course. Well, and have you heard of Fred Sonic Smith, who's one of the guitarists? Yep. So after MC5 split up, there's a short... And the Stooges had split up by then, and they're all, they're all from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Fred Sonic Smith, who's a genius songwriter uh, and guitarist, uh, one of the greatest, in my opinion. He's obviously RIP now for a long time. But anyway, he formed a short-lived band called Sonic's Rendezvous Band after Fred Sonic Smith. And also on drums is Scott Rock Ashton, the drummer from the Stooges, one of the Ashton brothers. Wow. And a couple of other guys. And let's say they enjoyed their drugs to the point that they never really last. Sonic's Rendezvous Band didn't last that long. Yeah. Um, maybe a year and a half, and they made it into the recording studio. Or I can't say it was drugs. How do I know? Yeah. But um, uh, their album's called Too Much Crank. <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> um, um uh, anyway, I digress. The point is, is they went into the studio just merely once and they, they only recorded one, one single song called City Slang. But you can find so much of them now, thanks to modern technology. Because at all of the, But they played in, in many, 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 many gigs. They were a gigging band around their yeah. area. And everyone went nuts for them. And all, there are so many floating bootleg tapes around the planet of Sonic's Rendezvous Band, and various little record labels over the years have made compilations of all the bootlegs, the best songs from all the bootlegs. Yeah. And my personal favourite is um, uh, is called is a compilation album called Too Much Crank. And I'm going to vote... I mean, okay, so... When I recorded the last album, James Williamson from the Stooges worked with me, and uh, James uh, Sclavunos from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds is and was my drummer then. And J- James Sclavunos and I flew to um, Berkeley, California, San Francisco, and met up with James Williamson, and we recorded two cover versions. And one was uh, Bob Dylan's It's All Right, Ma, I'm Only Bleeding, which was an epic task or an epic song to take yeah. on. And the other one was Sonic's Rendezvous band, um, You're So Great, and because when I first heard them, and this is what I bonded with Lenny Kay over, was our mutual love of Fred Sonic Smith, who, by the way, happened to marry Patty Smith, and um, uh. and uh, and it was Lenny that introduced them. Uh, um, but anyway, our mutual like, oh God, I love Fred Sonic Smith. So yeah, me too, me too. And of course, Lenny knew him, and was uh, they they were all around at that time. And but anyway, so when I first heard You're So Great, I knew that if I ever, I'm not really a cover person, but if I was going to do a couple of covers, You're So Great would be yeah. one of them. So we did that. But actually, for the purpose of this podcast, I, I'm going to volunteer a song called um, The Clock With No Hands, 
it's a long one. I think it goes on for about eight minutes. So be careful of your timing. Okay. But, um, uh, just, ah, oh, the oozing <laughs> filth dripping off of Fred Sonic Smith's guitar and voice, the leering, the massive drumming by Scott Ashton. It's just, you know, it's just, oh, I love it so much. So, And I recommend to your listeners to just go on YouTube and, you know, type in Sonic's Rendezvous Band because they're one of the great, great unknown bands. Wonderful. What a recommendation. Um, so uh, as, as we're coming out of, 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 of lockdown and, and, you know, normality doesn't seem too far off, Wendy, what's, what's coming up for you? What's happening? Well, I think gigs are still not going to be operational for a little while. What, what do you think? Um, I, I own a, a, a venue uh, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm seeing nothing. Um, it's in the UK, the prime minister literally today has just said about pubs and, uh, and, and restaurants, but yeah, no news on clubs. So. I, I mean, I, I was talking to the, the head of a massive promotion company yesterday called AEG mm-hmm. and they've just pulled everything until next year. Yeah. And, and they're basically talking about resuming business March, April. Wow. And a couple of the venues that I know that I'm meant to be playing, they've already said they're going to stay closed until the end of November. Mm. So I just think, uh, because I, my tour was meant to happen in May to coincide with the al- album release. Yeah. And it's currently delayed until September, but we're having to take a real serious look at that now. And I know a fact that there's a rugby scrum going on between all bands rescheduling all their tours once again into 2021. Yeah. So this is is a UK tour we're talking about, Wendy? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of gigging coming up for me next year. But uh, at the moment, I'm presuming to be out on the road in September, but by the time your podcast comes out, that may may have been delayed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um well other than that i'm a bit i'm a bit concerned to do international travel at the moment but i was thinking sometime in july i might you know start expanding my horizons again i am getting a bit you know it's all very nice being in the countryside but i'm getting a bit you know stir crazy i would like to yeah run around a city a little bit yeah i'm feeling that as well I'm, i'm not too far from london and i'm I'm thinking about it next week, just jumping on the train and going and, and just having a walk, walk around London. I've just missed it. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's very strange times. Um, so what I'll do, Wendy, as well, um, is where everybody's listening to this podcast from in the um, bio that surrounds it, I'll ensure the, uh, the links there so people can go and um, have a listen and also um, purchase your album. Please, yes. I mean, there's an iPlayer on my on the Queen High Straight page of my website, thewendyjames.com. You can buy all the music on thewendyjames.com forward slash store. And there's a SoundCloud link as well if you just prefer to listen to the songs on SoundCloud. And, of course, it's on Spotify. You can probably link to the Spotify page. I will put all of these links on there. And, um, And when this comes out, are you happy if I tag you in it on the social medias as well? Please, yes. I will share you to everyone. Wonderful. Wendy, Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute joy. Oh, thank you very, very much. There you go. Told you that was going to be a great listen. Um, just amazing. What, what a absolute force of nature Wendy James was and is. Um, yeah, great chat. Um, thank you so much for, um, for, for Wendy for giving up her time. Thanks to you lot for listening. Um, really appreciate your ongoing support. Um, as mentioned at the beginning, um, go and have a look in the archives if you've... Um, only listen to a couple of episodes of this podcast because you'll find some crackers there. There's some amazing chats there to be listened to. Um, and if you, um, you're all up to date and you still want more, then why not go and um, have a look and support the podcast over on Patreon. Um, you can find out about all of that at offthebeatentrackpodcast.com. I'll be back next week. Thanks ever so much for listening. Um, thanks once more to Wendy and much love to you lot for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but 
definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whiffin. 